Okay, good morning. Another week, week number three in the study of James. So I just wanted to do a little review of the several chapters, the first 18 that we've talked to over the first two weeks. Uh, James 1, 2 through 4, you know, these are some things that we've learned. We've learned that James wants us to count it all joy, the different challenges and trials that we face. Why? The testing of our faith produces a steadfastness and an endurance. Uh, facing these troubles with the help of God is how we grow. And then, of course, with the help of God, we become mature and complete, and we're not lacking in anything. Uh, further, we, we learn that God is always ready and willing to help us. We learn that it's not about our outward conditions that make us happy or sad, but our inward attitudes and response. We also learn that our problems, tests, and trials is what builds our faith. And of course, the test of our faith is what leads to the crown of life. And we also learn the importance of accepting personal responsibility for sin. So what I want to, as we move forward, I want to talk about uh, reviewing a little bit about 1 James 1, 16 through 18. We, we did talk about this last week, and I think it requires that we kind of look at it a little bit more deeply as far as what James is saying. So let's let's read. Does, would anyone like to read John sixteen, first John or one John one sixteen through eighteen? Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be kind of be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Now, what verses 16 through 18 do, does is it's a bridge into what, where, we're, where we're moving into starting in verse 19. It's the discussion between the mechanics of temptation and sin in general. And then it takes us to talking about behavior indicative of the Christian way of life. You know, uh, Christianity is, is a way of life, but it's not just an, ob an observance that we do. It's not something that we just observe. Um, you know, in 16, do not be deceived, my brethren. You know, what is, he, what is James talking about? You know, don't be fooled. Don't kid yourself. Don't let others lie. And we should always be on guard not to be victims of our own delusion. And, you know, what, what is he talking about when, as far as being deceived? Being deceived by our own sin. It's something that we, sometimes we, we don't take responsibility for, or I'm kind of getting ahead when I look at myself and I, when I read the word and I see things, I think, I think that sometimes it can be hard to, 
hear what God's showing us, so we might react. You know, how do we react and we respond? In verse 17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. You know, God sends us good things. You know, these are not debatable as far as God is good. There are no compromises in His promises. Uh, No one can blame God for sin. Uh, When I I say there's no compromises to His promises, when God gives something good, He gives it good. That's what He does. But on the other side, you know, when we're not accountable for our sin, God doesn't compromise on His punishments as well. In verse 18, of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, which should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So we know that through the Word of God we are born again. You know, this is God's will. People hear the gospel, they respond to it, they repent, they're baptized, and they have a new life, they're new creatures in Christ. And, you know, who is James talking to at this time? He's talking to the Jews. Uh, We have to understand that the Jews James was talking about were, they were the first Christians, they, they were the first fruits. They were the new creations. Um, they were the first to hear the gospel. And, you know, and uh, James is saying, don't be fooled, he said, by the notion that evil desire and conduct comes from God or is tolerated from God. And I think that's where, you know, when we talk about the responsibility that we need to have regarding our sin. Now, I, I said earlier, Christianity is a way of life, and it's not just an observance. You know, we look at this and we think that the primary trademark for the Christian life, it's our attitude towards God's Word. The first trademark of the Christian life is how, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to God's Word? Um, you know, again, we see that God is good. We see that God sends good, and we also know that God wants us to be good. You know, being good is seen in our attitude and how we live our life. Having a good attitude is seen in how we respond to God's word. And so that's where we're going. We're going to be moving into verse uh, 19. And, you know, the big caption that I kind of, think when I look at the different versions, it's, you know, it says hearing and doing, hearing and doing uh, the word. You know, we, we, we hear the word, we read the word, we hear the word, and then how are we going to respond? We're going to respond by the attitude of which we take that word. Now, there, there are two ways that we there are two elements in how we respond uh, to God's Word. You know, are we ready to receive God's Word? Would someone like to read uh, verses 19 through 21? Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness 
the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. <coughs> Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So know this, my bro- my brother, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what? Um, who? What is he? Does what is he referring to when he's saying these words? It's kind of interesting because when I studied this, I had a whole different idea of what he was saying, or and who he was saying it to, or how I could apply it. Um. Because when I, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, this is, as I can apply this to everyday situation, it's always good wisdom that we should be, you know, we should be quick to hear. We should be slow to anger, slow to speak. Those are very uh, good things. But I wasn't recognizing that he's saying that in, specifically in relation to what, you know, what, how we're responding to God's word. Um, you know, I'm, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when we look, when we read God's word and we're looking at ourselves and we're applying, we don't always like to, we don't like to hear what we see or we don't like to realize that, you know, where changes need to be made. And so, you know, James is talking about our attitude and how we respond to the word. And he's saying, quick, you know, be quick to hear, but we want to be slow to speak and slow to anger. We want to hear the word, hear what God's saying to us and not be so quick to just discount it. Um, this really slapped me in the face because I've had some conversations with my wife <laughs> thinking about some things that God's showing me. And unfortunately, I'm quick to speak. Um, so, uh, you know, hearing this, of course, I'm applying it to, to my situation, but understanding the word and having a whole new understanding, it's, it's um, you know, as I'm speaking about this, I'm learning it at the same time. And I think that's, uh, it's amazing, I think, how God works. He definitely answers prayer. So, you know, there are, there's two way, two elements in how we respond. So the first way is that we listen. You know, we we want to be baptized for forgiveness, but we're not e- but not eager to hear about the self control, the obedience, the good deeds, the giving, the uh, fidelity, worship, sacrifice, study, or perseverance. You know, we want to hear all the good things that we can get from God, but unfortunately, and I'm speaking about myself too. I'm not. You're saying where. I want to discount a lot of other things, and I don't recognize that as, you know, as far as what God is saying to me, because I'm just, you know, I want the freebies. Um, You know, we love to hear about repentance. We love to hear about being baptized. All our sins are forgiven. And, of course, we're going to heaven. I mean, who, who doesn't want to hear that? But James is also talking about how we relate to God. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. How do we listen to God's word? 
we, you know, we have to have the confidence and the faith that God will let us know when he wants, that when he wants us to do something. We have to be able to pray and wait. How often do we pray for something and not wait? We, we think we have it figured out. And, you know, it kind of, I think about things where there's, have you ever heard of the, uh, the awkward silence just in communication? You know, you ask a question and someone's thinking and that, that silence gets really awkward. I think for me in my life, that silence is awkward. I feel like I have to be doing something. I need to be doing something. And I'm forgetting that really about waiting and having confidence in him and, you know, waiting for God to speak to me or to show me. You know, verse 20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. God wants us to do good with a willing heart. In verse 21 Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know, how, how, how people react to God's word. James is saying that the reason for anger, backtalk, at God's words is a presence of sin in our personal life. I kind of was thinking about that. And... You know, a lot of times if we're not listening or, I'm, you know, not agreeing or, it, you know, I'm, it's given me whatever, I kind of wonder, well, what's happening in my life? And I can, I can personally say that there are, I can recognize times in my life where, yes, I'm back talking because there is sin in my personal life that I may not be recognizing, whether it's, you know, talking early where, I sometimes want to talk, 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 and I'm not listening. Um, so what James is saying, you know, first we must remove the sin in our heart. Then more of God's word can be implanted in our heart. And I never, there's a lot of firsts for me in reading James. Um, I never really recognized that ratio. You know, and it, and it makes sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. How can I continue to sin, but then expect to um, how can I expect God's mercy in my life? Now, I I come from a background where once saved, always saved. You know, I became a Christian when I was eighteen. I was baptized at nineteen. Um, but a lot of the evangelical, non-denominational type churches, it's, you know, once saved, always saved. It, you know, I didn't recognize the difference. And then, of course, we're going to get into this in a little bit as, you know, works and faith and what that really means. And again, these are some real big pills for me to swallow just working through this, which is a testament that God's really working in my life, that he's showing me things. And I can say that you know, with the willingness of my heart, 
to acknowledge things that God's showing me. That's, you know, I guess, well, I don't guess. I know that's what God does in our lives is that he, I can, well, let's see, let me back up. So as I was saying, we first we must first remove the sin in our heart, and then the more God's word is in our heart, He implants it. So I guess what I was saying was, as I recognize the things that God's showing me, I, the more God's word is implanting in my heart, where God can make those changes in me. So now, this might be hard for some, including myself. Is that, you know, God always answers prayer, not always maybe in our time, in the time that we want. Hence is why sometimes I'm not slow to speak. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, 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 if we pray to God to show us our sins, you know, that is a prayer that he will answer. <laughs> um, it's, you know... We have to understand that we can't receive the word without removing sin in our life. And that's... Never really thought of that before in going through this, uh, learning about James. So the next thing is that once we... You know, are, I asked, are we ready to receive God's word? Well, now are we ready to obey God's word for what God is showing us? Would anyone, would someone like to read James 1, 22 through 25? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if everyone or anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, James uses the illustration of a mirror. He who... He who sees but walks away and does nothing and does nothing to change the problems. Um, in reading Practical Christianity by Brother Roper, you know he uses the analogy of waking up and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you know you have sleepy eyes and you have a scrubbly face and your hair is all over the place and. Yeah, I have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what do, when we get up, what do we do? You know, um, of course, you know, we would comb our hair, we would shave, wash our face, get ourselves ready, and we're responding to what we're seeing in the mirror. Now, he, in, this, in this scripture, he um, talks about law of liberty. What is law of, what is law of liberty? What is that referring to? Obedience to God's word. What is the law? The law is the word of God. Sin, uh, sin is disobedience of God's word. We, we hear sin and we... It doesn't... 
definition of sin is disobedience of God's word. I mean, regardless of how terrible one we think or how small we think it is, whatever the case may be, it's, di it's disobedience of God's word because it's what He has put in our put before us to explain what He wants us to do and to be like Him and obedient to Him, and so it's. That's enough. <laughs> no, yes, I, I agree. Uh, Mike Mazzalongo, he explains law of liberty as the gospel. The law that frees us from sin, but not from responsibility to do right and good. Um, you know, we, we look at this and we talk about, um, you know, baptism is useless without repentance. You know, we just get wet. Repentance is useless without baptism as you haven't obeyed. And that's exactly what Doug, what Doug was talking about as far as obeying the word, obeying the things that we're seeing and what God's showing us. So the one who sees and acts, the one, the one who sees and acts, the one who does act on what he or she sees will be blessed in what they do. And without repentance, our faith runs out. It's... Um, so, we've talked about, you know, are we ready to receive God's Word? You know, and then once, you know, we, we see His Word, we receive His Word, are we ready to obey His Word? Now, in verse 26 and 27, are we ready to live the Word? Can we go back to verse 21, the implanted word? Yes. What is, it that, what is exactly that talking about? The implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Well, is I mean, that that, word that's... like we memorize, or what? Well, that's God's word, the, the Bible. Right. And I so... Understand it, but what does it mean, implanted word? You've heard it. In other words, you you have received the word. It's whether it grows and produces faith and produces obedience. That word, it is, it word grows within you. So the implanted is kind of like a plant. I think you implant the word uh, seed in there, and the product comes up out of the ground. I believe that's the that's good example. On there, right? It's word a it, it's it's. Think of it also as in the fact that it makes a change in you. There has to be a change. And that's what we've, we've been talking about lately a lot about, talking about the transforming power of the Word. Um, if, if you, we all know what skimming something, if we just skim something or whatnot, how impactful is that on us a lot of times? We may not be really good. But when we read something and we really make it a part of us, it transforms us. It does. It makes a change, and uh, <clears throat> I think that's what he's talking about. Was yeah, there, it, this is a deeper meaning of it. It's not just uh, uh, you know when he he the, the idea that keeps being compounded here is yes, receiving the word, reading the word, but he always goes back to you have to put it into motion. It has to be yes. deeper. Are we acting on it? Are we obeying? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Mark, if you go back and if you kind of read this in reverse from. Like 19, 20, 21, with 21 talking about the, the implanted word. But if you go kind of read backwards on that, he's saying, like you had talked about, be 
silent, be, be don't really quick to temper, to, to anger, um, you know, listen, because in, in accept all this with meekness, you, you yes. are, you're, you're accepting this very powerful thing is being implanted in you. Don't be angry about it. Don't be silent. Listen to what is being said and, and allow that, that implanted word to be able to grow in you. Yes. Thank you. Good, good examples. Thank you. Thank you. So verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there's three examples of the proper response with that is we control our tongue, uh, benevolence, you know, helping, caring, donating, things that need to be done, and then purity of life, purity of life as far as separating ourselves from the world. If after hearing the word and we look in the mirror and we see any of these things, then we need to make a change. The bottom line is that Christian is in Christianity is that God's word has the power to save us, but also transform us if we are willing to respond. And if we're willing to obey, if we're really, if we're ready to receive the word is our mirror. And, you know, um, don't walk away without making a change. That will slap me in the face. But even after all that, the, the, the words uh, um, in hearing and listening uh, and uh, being able to be slow to speak, slow to anger, that's a personal thing that uh, is is implied as a secondary meaning, if you will. It's, even though it's basically the war, talking about the word and response to God, still and yet between two people, and it still applies to that because in, in responding to people, you have to hear what's being said. And Doug could go into that probably a little further in the, some of the uh, coursework he's done in the uh, the listening lab type thing and but slow to speak slow to anger is a uh, very appropriate in the way we live the Christian life because you can go off uh, 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 and uh, say some angry things and you regret it and then you have to backtrack and try to make it right so if you're it's just a good philosophy for Christian living is really what I'm getting at yes yes well. yes <clears throat> Well, you make a good point, is that this is something that only we can do. No one can do it for us. You know, some, I can't, there's, I'm in a room of a lot of great godly people. So there's a lot of a good association, but unfortunately I can't claim my, you know, I can't claim being saved. I can't claim any of God's, uh, 
reward just based on my association that I hang out with the cool crowd. <laughs> Although the world would probably wouldn't say that, but we know. <laughs> well, you just wait till the talent show. <laughs> so now we're we're moving into chapter two. Now, my my little title here: it's sin of partiality. Uh, in verse one. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You know, it's this is saying do not hold your faith with an attitude of personal favoritism. Do not regard some more important than others. James is saying, now, in, in reading, uh, I, I just really love Brother Roper and his, what God shows him, the things that I can learn, is that he used the term respecter of persons. Initially, I'm thinking respecter of persons. I'm a respect, I mean, I respect people. (laughs) And not recognizing what that's really meaning as far as we don't respect people based off of their face, about who, you know, just what they have, how they perceive how they want us to perceive them, whether it's, you know, fancy cars and they have all, they have all this money and different things. Um, you know, James is saying, do not be a respecter of persons. Do not judge others based on their face or the person, clothes, money, gender, etc. I mean, and why? This is contrary to who Jesus was. You know, Jesus... Um, in, in John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances. You know, Jesus, Jesus loved all, Jesus stood for all, and Jesus died for all. In chapter 2, James says that Christians, Christians living the Christian way of life are different. Why, why are we different? Because Christians acknowledge differences, but they respond to everyone the same way. That's, you know... That's what God wants us to do. Would someone like to read verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2? For if there shall come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit here at my footstool. James here gives an example, one attitude towards rich and poor in a church. Here he compares and judges attitudes, not differences. I'll be be honest um, and say, well, not that I'm not being honest, no. Um, (laughs) It's... This is, it's been a challenge for me. So, you know, I've been, I've known of the word for many years, but I've never really been one to study it. It's all, other things have always been more important. And 
what I like about James is it's very simple and very, well, I say simple, simple points that we can follow as far as the outline for how we should live as a Christian. But in a lot of ways, there's so, there's so much packed within each of the verses that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I know I could probably read this 25 times and I'm still going to learn something new that I didn't learn that I've been studying today. And I feel like I've, you know, uh, been reading and rereading, praying, wanting, Lord, show me what you want me to see. <laughs> so the beauty, that's the beauty of God's word. In verse 4, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with, with evil thoughts? If we have different attitudes, if we have a different attitude towards different people, James is saying that the behavior is evil. Because it's driven by evil motive, pride, or selfishness. We are making superficial judgments of others, and this is contrary to who Jesus was. I think that's, uh, you know, key. And I know that for for myself, I think there are times when, well, and I don't even recognize it. I'm just, I kind of look at someone, I base them based off of what they're wearing. And, um, and I think... You know, we need to be aware of that as far as our Christian response to others and our Christian response to the word and, um, you know, following what, what the example that Jesus led. I, I, uh, I've always been, because I'm guilty of this too, but in, if you're talking to someone who just got to meeting <laughs> someone or talking to another person who wasn't like them, didn't match them, maybe what they're wearing or, or, or whatever the case was. And when they make a statement, it's like, you know, they're actually really nice people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm guilty of this too. I've done that before too. And, it, and it's always kind of funny because you obviously walked into that expecting them to be different, expecting them to not be very nice, to not be as, or whatever the, whatever the case is. And it's, um, and that's, that's, that's pretty much exactly what he is saying here. It's get to know them. Listen, be, be, be silent and, and just listen to them, talk to them and, and get to know them before you judge as to who they are or what they, uh, before you make those decisions, um, get to know them. Yes, yes. And I, I, I think sometimes when this, this example here where James is using this, giving us this, this example of a rich and a poor, okay, I think sometimes we've got to be very careful too in Scripture. We, we take that example, and that's what we focus only on, which is the idea of one being dressed better than the other. This goes way beyond that as far as partiality. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we sometimes we, we want to take something and make it this one little thing that he's talking about. And all he's doing is giving an example here. Yeah. There was a lot of other examples he could have used for partiality also. And I think we get caught up sometimes in that or whatnot. Because what, if, if we've heard anything hammered, through the church over the years, it's about us as far as taking when somebody comes in and they're not and they're in jeans and not in a suit and tie. You know, we should we hound that. I'm telling you, we just preach on that and preach on that. 
But the reality is, is partiality has a lot to do with other things, too. Yes. I mean, we've, we, in fact, we've preached on it so much that we almost want to make people feel guilty if you try to dress up. <laughs> I mean, really. I, I, I mean, I'm not on a... But, I mean, the reality is I've heard that so much that it's, it's you know, it's like... So... Well, what's important is we're, we, we should look at people for, for who they are, where their heart is, and it's not just about, you know, having the fine, fine linens. That being said, I also would like to say in all the years... I can't really see this as being an issue that's been a really big one as far as I, I, I know, at least in my congregation, I don't see people who are who are 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 very different to the people who aren't dressed the same. Now, but, but that's just, what you said, yeah. though. It's it, I mean, this is just one example, yeah. but this could go into religion. It could go into I mean, many different ways of how someone lives their life. I mean, uh, my, my brother, <laughs> he came to church. And he's not saved, but he felt it necessary to wear a Budweiser cap to church. <laughs> and, you know, I said, hey, Scott, I said, hey, uh, would you like to maybe not wear a cap to church? And he said, no, I'm fine. And, I, and so, you know, when I went into that. And it's like, well, you know, here, obviously now this is. You know, James is talking to Christians. Now, this example is a little bit different because obviously my brother's not a Christian. He, he doesn't know. So, of course, you know, he wasn't aware. So I just assume people would understand and it's, you know, God's in control. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, but, but as we're talking about, there are, you know, physical, the way we dress, that's one aspect. But there's many, many different others. Uh, Brent. And next Saturday, we'll have a necktie burning ceremony. <laughs> uh, this whole thing makes me think back to one of Jack's sermons, and it's been several months ago, where he challenged us to, there's a person all the time on the corner down there by McDonald's. How often do we stop and take the time? And, and I, I'm very guilty of I've got too much to do. Life is just going so fast that we don't take opportunities such as that. And there's other opportunities outside of that. But Jack was challenging us. What if they were overwhelmed with Eastside people helping them out, doing something for them, and just anything like that? And and that's a lot, a lot of this discussion brought my mind back to to that lesson. And that may be the only lesson I remember him preaching this last year. But, uh, <laughs> I think I remember too. Um, but I, I, think it's, I think we need to revisit sometimes, or I think revisit those things that we've uh, talked about and discussed because we can walk out of here and, and go right back into life. And, I've got this to do at work, this, this, this. And, and uh, my wife freaked out a few times because I picked up people along I-40 and transported them out west of Rome. And uh, so I don't tell her about those things. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather, many of you knew him, he did many, many things. And most of us never even knew about it. 
And a lot of these things that we can do don't have to be public. Don't, no one has to know about. And uh, that that that's the most meaningful things that we can do. Is, uh, the things we do in private between that person and us. Yes. Todd? I was going to say there's a difference between being poor and lazy. Sometimes we don't want to get up and get super lazy. My job takes me to Taco Bell's, McDonald's, and different <laughs> restaurants. I have been asked not to help them out because once I do, they tell their friends and everyone goes there looking for the person that will help them out. You know, I. It's a, it's a little interesting because the owners have asked me not to help because they've seen me help these people out. But they said, once you do that, their friends figure out that. This yeah. is the store where someone might help them, and I'm not there that often. Mm -hmm. So they have a bunch of people looking for people to help them. Give them a gift card to a different restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what he's saying, and I do, I do understand and agree with you, but the part of that, we had when nights are we had a lot of people that probably took advantage of the situation. And there was, oh, we were, we were up in arms sometimes. I know this is not, and I recall one thing Dale said to us one day, let's take care of whatever we can take care of, and God will sort it all out. I think that's a really good point to probably end, to end on for today. I've had that same attitude because I, you know, I, I see the same, you know, sometimes see the same people. Mm -hmm. And then you, I'm, you know, I've, I used to think, well, what are they not doing? Why aren't they getting a job or why aren't they doing this? And I've had that negative attitude and, you know, thank God for Tammy. You know, she would say, you know, she, cause I would have this harsh attitude, literally a harsh attitude. And you know, no one was going to tell me anything different. It just, it upset me. It, I'd be frustrated. But then, you know, Tammy was like, you know, we can steal what we can do. It's, you know, that's between them and God. If they're, if they're lying to us or if they're not doing what they need to do, but they have an immediate need. And so my heart's actually changed a lot in wanting to help people. And, and, and to close, even, you know, with studying James, it's actually... I have more of an attitude where I want to further the kingdom of God and I want to, I want to witness to others. Amen. So with that being done, said, we will see you next week, week four.